מתן, מתן, בואו נשב יחד, אמר משהו. It's live. All right. Today's educational centers throughout the United States are huge organizations with billions of dollars in their endowment funds and huge sprawling campuses. They're not just places to learn, but they're really, really big campuses which, which have billions and billions of dollars. And if you look at the, uh, the names of those of the donors who give towards these universities, you'll find you'll find lots of Jewish names. You'll find Goldstein and Silverstein and Cohen and Einstein and Levin, all kinds of Jewish names. But if you go to a yeshiva, yeshivas don't have billions of dollars in endowment funds. They don't have uh, dormitories, which are, you know, like, like five-star hotels. And, uh, and the question is, how come people are so free to donate to college campuses or to, you know, entertainment centers? And, and then there are and to research centers, but to our yeshivas, we don't have that same kind of philanthropy. People don't give as many as much of their dollars towards our own needs, the, the Jewish people. We're more free to give to all other kinds of things out there. Where does that come from? So in this week's Torah portion, we learn about the laws of honest measures. It used to be many years ago before there was digital weights. If you want to buy a pound of salami, what would you do? You go to you take a stone and you would weigh to put the salami on one end and the uh, and the stone on the other end and the stone you knew weighed one pound and you would add salami and until the scale measured up and then it was it was it, it worked. So the Torah tells us this week if make sure to have honest measures. You cannot have a stone which your thing is a one pound stone. And really it's, let's say it's, it's a half a pound because you want to sell less salami for the same price. Or if you're a buyer, you may want to get two pounds. So you get a, a stone which weighs half a pound and you're officially buying, um, you know, so, so you're putting them, the Torah says, be careful to only have honest measures. Right after the Torah talks about honest measures, the Torah then talks about the attack of the sworn enemy of the Jewish people, a nation that has caused us trouble throughout history. The nation is, anyone know? Who the Torah talk? Amalek, very good, exactly. So it says in the Talmud that these two subjects are related to each other. If you have dishonest measures, if you're not gonna be honest in business, then Amalek will attack you. That's what the Talmud says. The question is, why is that? Why, what, do, what does honest measures have to do with the attack of Amalek? What's the connection between them? So I'm going to share with you three explanations today. Each of them has a very deep insight for ourselves and our lives. The first explanation of the clay is the clay yucker. Yucker explains like this. He says that the Torah uses expression over here, don't have a stone and a stone. And he says, the Torah is talking about two kinds of stones, an honest stone, a correct stone, a stone which actually weighs what you what is purported to be and another dishonest stone the guy has two stones he has one stone he shows some customers to keep himself in business he has another stone that he does the, he does yes sir <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly now but here the guy wants to stay in business it says in the Talmud any bit uh, any lie which doesn't have a little bit of truth mixed into it doesn't last he wants to make sure that his lie lasts. 
And therefore, he doesn't cheat everybody. He'll get, he'll get out of business very quickly. So he has one stone that he, he's, he pretends this is the stone he uses, but he doesn't always use that stone. Some of his, some of the people who buy from him, he uses a different stone. By the way, I just want to point out, the Torah actually says when you, when you sell something by, by weight, you should add a little bit. In order to make sure that you're being honest, the Torah says don't just give exactly what was purchased, but you're supposed to add a little bit. You're supposed to give this, give the buyer a little bit more one that they purchase, especially even today's exact digital scales aren't, they could also over time not be so exact. So totally says to give a little more, but this situation is very simple. The guy sells to hundred people and he sells, he sells to 80 of them with the honest weight and the 20 of them not. And the 20 people come to the court and they say, this guy stole from us. And the court says, well, what, what's your claim? He says, look, I sell to so many people, all of them telling me I give them the right measure, measure everybody else. The court says, let's see your stone. Here's my stone. Oh, the stone works. This is the stone. This is the stone we use for everybody. So what's 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 really terrible about this is that the guy is pretending to be honest in the eyes of people, but he between him and God is not honest. He's not afraid of God's eye. He's only afraid of what people think. So because he's keeping all this negative energy in himself, he's doing all these terrible things between him and God. So the Torah says that the nation of Amalek will attack him. What's unique about Amalek? Amalek was a nation that had open hatred, open anti-Semitism, clear anti-Semitism. They never hid their hatred. There's an author named James Baldwin. A lot of blacks prefer to live in the north and not in the south. Why? Because in the south, although they had segregated buses and they had segregated schools, and if you were black, you were considered, you know, a pariah. But in the North, the societal norms of the whites was worse. You could live wherever you want. You could do business wherever you want. But there was, an un there was a, 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 such a strong sense of, of, of hatred that you were unwelcome if you were black. So the, the, a lot of blacks said, if I'm in the South, I know what game you're playing. In the North, all the, the, the whites in the north, they had such a, a, a deeper kind hey, of hatred. I don't know if you wanted to try to see. If you turn your phone sideways, maybe. I didn't know if this... Hey. Sorry? So, so in a similar way, the uh, Evan Ezra says, sorry, the the Kayakra um, says the issue over here is that the guy is doing a secret kind of, it's a deeper inner problem. He's pretending to be kosher, he's not kosher. That's the reason, by the way, that the non-kosher animal, the most famous non-kosher animal, what, what's so bad about it? The Torah says to be kosher, you have to have two signs. One sign is you have split hooves. The other sign is you shoot your cud. The, the pig puts out its feet and says, look, I'm kosher, I have split hooves. But inside, he ain't kosher. So therefore, uh, that's, why it's, that, that's, that's what the Talmud says. So in a similar way, the guy, he acts kosher, he puts out the weights, look at my kosher weight, but deep down there's some inner problem there. So therefore the Torah says, what's the retribution for him? The consequences of that activity? That someone who was an open anti-Semite comes and takes away what he, what, and everything belongs to him. The enemy attacks, chas v'shalom, God forbid. That's how the Kliyakar explains it. Then there's another explanation of the Nitziv. Nitziv writes, very interesting thing. He says, what are the three sins the Torah says that you better rather die rather than commit any of the three sins. Anyone know? What are the three, the Torah says there's three situations. It's better to die rather than go against the Torah. Oh, and? Survey says? Murder, adultery, and? Idol worship, very good. 
there are three kinds of reasons a person can do make a mistake, either because of passion, <clears throat> or because of anger, or because they're missing faith. Idol worship is from inside. So huh? what you say, everything is from the inside. It comes from the inside. So the head, the top of of the ultimate expression of anger is murder. The ultimate expression of passion, the wrong way, is adultery. And the ultimate expression of lack of faith is actually to put your head down in front of an idol and pray to an idol. This guy who has the false measures, he is really leading towards the idolatry. He is saying, God can't take care of me unless I, I, I don't play by the rules. God made rules, and he's the one who sustains the whole world. As we're about to say after we finish eating, we say, God feeds the whole world. But he says, God's not going to take care of me. He, the rules don't work. The only way to make things work is to break the rules. I can't get, a, I can't get by with, with the rules. I can't get by if I don't break Shabbat. I can't get by if, I don't, if, I, if I'm so honest. So the Torah says that's why Amalek attacks him. What's Amalek? The Hebrew word for Amalek is numerically equivalent to the word Safek. Very good. Safek. The Cohens are, are answering questions for everybody else over here. They feel at home. But there's a home court advantage. Home court advantage. <laughs> the, 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 the Amalek and Safek both equal to 240. Everyone, but you should know they, make, they want everyone to feel at home. So everyone should have the home court advantage. Amalek is numerically equivalent to 240, and also the word safik, which is 240. What's safik mean? Safik means doubt. It means, it's doubt. It's not that you don't believe, it's that you have a doubt. And it's really very insidious and subtle. It sounds like it's not such a big deal, you're not so sure, but really the doubt, when you have a doubt about something, it makes you cold. The Torah says that Amalek attacked us on the road out of Egypt. The road out of Egypt means the road towards getting better in your life, doing things better than you did yesterday, going out of your limitations. What stops you from making that move forward and doing things with more where you want to be? You have a doubt. Do I really need to do this right now? Is this myth really important? Does God really? He asks you three questions, Amalek. First of all, he asks you who says Hashem wants this mitzvah. Second of all, he asks you, even if Hashem wants this mitzvah, he says he wants it today. And even if he wants this mitzvah, he wants it today, who says he means you? And this doubt, this question, is what makes everything, all the problems. And so regarding the false measures, the guy thinks he sees the man that is in the desert. In the desert, the Nitziv says there was no, there was no business in the desert. They, they had all the, everyone came out of Egypt with tremendous wealth. The problem was that everyone may have known then that God will take care of them. People thought things will change once we go into Israel. Once the miracles will stop, God will not continue to sustain us when things go in a natural way. It's kind of like the famous joke about the guy looking for a parking space. He's looking for a parking space. He's driving along, going around the block 60 times. He says, God, if you give me a parking space, I promise you, I will send my kids to a Jewish school. Give me a parking space. I will never go to McDonald's again, not to Burger King. Make it find Burger King, yes. But and now, I will never do it. I'll only eat kosher. And then all of a sudden, a space opens up. Forget it, I found the space already. You get it? The idea is it's a joke, but it's real. We, we, we often uh, make a mistake. We often make the mistake. Give me two more, five more minutes, I'll let you go. We often make the mistake and we think that Hashem is with us in miracles, but when things go in a natural way, things go in an order of nature, it seems like Hashem's not with us anymore. The Torah tells us if they remember Amalek and realize that even when you're 
doing business in a regular down-to-earth way and according to the rules of nature, Hashem gives us success in nature that's beyond nature. That's a second explanation. Here's a third explanation. This is from the Rebbe. Let's say, for example, a father wants to go on vacation, a son wants to go on vacation, and uh, his father needs something critical. He's saying, let's say he's in old age, show me, he needs something, he needs something. To... So the child may say, I'll go on the vacation, who cares? I need to take care of my vacation. In other words, he has things he considers important, taking care of his father is important, but it's a different standard of importance when it comes to something that's for him. Something for somebody else, what, what does it come from? How is it possible a child can go on vacation, leave his father's critical need aside, when he's just going on a luxury cruise? Like, what, why is that more important? The reason is because we have a double standard. It's insidious and it's subtle, but it creeps in that people get different standards, they have different measurements. They measure spiritual things and, and their values with one level of weight, and they measure their physical needs and their luxuries with different kinds of weight. And therefore, it's possible for them to exchange and say, this thing, this is really important. This thing, ah, it's not, where does it come from? It, it comes in slowly. There was a, a Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld. He was a rabbi in Israel, in Israel before the war. And he was once on Shabbat at someone's house. And there's a kid who was playing with something which we're not allowed to play with on Shabbat. It was Muktza. So he says, Muktza Shabbat. The father of the boy was not impressed. He says, listen, rabbi, he's such a kid. Doesn't know. Leave him alone. Relax. Then the kid went into the china closet. Toy, put that down. What are you doing? So the rabbi says, So, so he's just a child, he doesn't know what's the, what's the difference. Clearly, the rabbi and this man felt that in certain situations, you got to you got to be the question is what they considered important. I'm not saying it was right or not for the rabbi, it's just probably just a nervous reaction. You react that way, but I'm saying something else. We have different ways of measuring different things, we measure spiritual things with a different yardstick, we measure our, our, our physical uh, needs. There was a rabbi named Rabbi Meir Shapiro. He once came to this guy and he asked him for a donation for his yeshiva. And the guy said, Rabbi, I had a hard year. I am not helping you this year at all. So Rabbi said to him, if you're not helping me this year, don't help me next year either. So, whoa, 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 listen, you, you, gotta be, you gotta realize, Rabbi, business goes up, business goes down. Why are you so, so insulted? Don't you get it? So the rabbi says, listen, you lost money, but how come the entire hit has to go to the yeshiva. How come you don't say some of the hits should go towards my vacation? Some of the hits should go towards my, why is the whole thing on the yeshiva? Because you have a different measure. This is extra, this is extra, this is a need. So that's what the Torah says to us, don't have two kinds of measurements. The Torah tells us that the same weight we put on, on our physical needs, you have to have at least the same as spiritual. Really, it doesn't make sense to say the same amount. Really, it should be much more. Much more, because our soul is eternal and forever, and all physical things are transient, always changing. So Torah tells us to, you need to really measure what's important with a different standard, with things which are not important, things are, are transient. To realize who we are, we're God's children, it's a month of Elul, the king is in the field, from so receptive to us, and really have a, an incredible opportunity now before the Rosh Hashanah to come closer to Hashem with Torah, with Tefillah, with Staka, and do things focused on what's really important now. It's, it's, it's a new year, it's a new beginning, so, l'chaim, l'chaim, shem shalom each of us, receive the Torah, but simply above, see what's in the Torah, shem tem v'sukkah. L'chaim.